Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. So when your life is rocky or you need an answer, you need to hear from God. And what should you do? How can you get an answer from God? How can you easily hear from God when you need to get an answer from God? These are all important questions, and there's an easy way to get through all of this. But first, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for today, and thank you for this opportunity to be with you and to dig into your word. I want to thank you that you are a God that not only hears and listens, but you are a God that answers us as well. I thank you for all the times, Lord, that I needed an answer and that you were there. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We give you thanks in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. I've often been in situations throughout my life where I needed an answer from God. I decided to go to the Lord and to depend on him for the answer to or the result of or the solution to a problem or a situation that I was having. And as I've gotten older, I've started to go to God for everything in the decisions that I'm making, not just in the problems, going to him in the morning and asking him for guidance in the little things throughout the day, eating, even setting, even setting alarms to remind myself to go to God and to bring him into what I'm doing, whether it's uh, something at work or in a time or a relationship or a conversation or even spending time with my family. In everything, I'm looking for a way to bring God into it now. But it wasn't always so easy. And when we go to Scripture, we can actually see some really interesting things. Let's dig in and see, because I believe there's three easy steps. If you want to get an answer from God, that will these steps will just open up the doors for you and will change, honestly, your relationship with God forever. Let's start in Habakkuk 2. This is the New King James Versions. Verse 1, it says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. That's a wall on the outside of a castle. And watch to see what he, God, will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. It's interesting, the New American Standard says that I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the watchtower. And I will keep watch to see what he, God, will say to me and how I may reply when I am reprimanded. I love the New Living Translation because it says that I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. And the ESV says I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. 
It's interesting if we, we dig in um, to what we actually see here. You know, first of all, uh, Habakkuk is responding uh, here because he had asked a question to God. He wanted to know. Uh, it, was a, it was a deep question, uh, and he had a life issue going on. There were a lot of people that were dying at the hands of evil people all around. And he wanted to know, basically, why do bad things happen to good people? And was God going to do something about it? And keep in mind that a rampart, it's a defensive wall that guards um, the, the inside castle or city. It has guard towers built on it for the watchmen to have great visibility and to sound the alarm if need be. So that's that idea of climbing up onto the rampart, up the tower, into a place where he had better vision, that he would be alone, he would be on duty, but he'd be able to listen and to watch. And it says that he would watch and see what the Lord will say to him. This is an active process of looking for the answer that God was going to bring. And finally, if you notice there, he says that it may take a while for this vision or for this answer to come, but to wait for it. He says exactly there, he says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In other words, there's a process that you actually need to go through of waiting. There's a process of of being patient. And if you see the answer, really, all three steps are right here. First, it's getting to a place to listen to God, getting to a place to watch, and then actively listening, and then being patient. Let's look at another example in Daniel. Daniel uh, chapter 6 verse 10 says that when Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. In this situation, Daniel's enemies had tricked the king, Darius, into signing a document that would allow them to arrest Daniel for praying to God, and they wanted to get rid of him. And Daniel knew what was going on, and, and Daniel said that when he, it says right here that Daniel knew that the document had been signed. And still, he went to his house, where he had windows in where his upper chamber opened towards Jerusalem. It was his upper chamber. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to his, before his God as he had done previously. So we see that Daniel had an upper room or an upper chamber that was away from it all, further away from what was going on downstairs in the house and the door that led out to the street, the things that might be going on. I'm sure it was a little more quiet, a little more secluded than the rest of the house. We also see that he had a habit, and it was three times a day, no less. He would go, most likely morning, lunchtime, and at night, and he would give thanks before God. He would get down on his knees. He also knew that there was trouble that was coming, and he knew that he might get executed as a result of what was going on. But he had a trust in God, and he went to God anyways, He knew it was now illegal to pray, but he did it no matter what. Nothing would stop him or distract him or get in the way of praying to God. You know, Jesus 
continued to set this example in his actions and in his commandments to us. If we look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 of the New American Standard, you'll see it starts like this. But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. A couple of items. One, there's an inner room. That's a quiet place away from it all. Two, it's done alone and privately with God. And three, he sees you and he'll reward you. He'll reward you, especially when you call out for wisdom and for an answer. He will reward you. Matthew uh, chapter 14, verse 20 um, says in the ESV, and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. And immediately he made the disciples, that's Jesus, get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Jesus had just got done feeding the 5,000, and the first thing he needed to do was go and recharge. He went up the mountain by himself. We see this over and over. Jesus retreats. He goes to spend some time alone with God to recharge and to get answers. He made it a habit of getting directions and recharging by just being alone with the Father and spending time with him. And it was interesting that it says that he went up the mountain. It wasn't like he just got away a little bit. He actually went pretty far to get away and up. You keep seeing where people are going up and they're finding a way that's desolate or has some solitude to it. And it says that it was evening and darkness was was there, so uh, it must have been plenty of time. Elijah, when he was having trouble with Jezebel and was on the run, where did he? He, had, he headed to the mountain of Horeb. And it was there that he sought God and was asking God for direction. And it was there that the word of the Lord came to him and gave him direction. He actually spent time in a cave just to have a place of hiding, a place to hide in God and to hear what God was trying to say to him. And God told him who to go and anoint to be king and even gave him who his successor was going to be in Elisha. He told him where to go and, and to anoint him as someone to take over um, for him. And it was interesting. Um, when you look back on this moment, this was kind of a defining moment for Elijah. And he had been in a place, really, where he needed a word from God. He was at the place of just giving up and ready to die. And some of you can identify with that, where you just feel like you can't go on. Jesus found desolate places uh, to get alone with God on a regular basis. And Mark, in chapter 1, verse 35 through 37, we have a, uh, a great comment there. What had been going on was that uh, Jesus had been in the synagogue. He had been healing folks. They, they end up going back to uh, Simon and Andrew's house, and they continue to heal all sorts of folks that come through there, um, and uh, even healing Peter's mom, Simon Peter's mom, who had a fever. 
And then it says at sundown, uh, he continued to uh, heal the sick and, uh, and get rid of demons. And, and it says that even after all of that, that in verse 35, it says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and they said to him, everyone's looking for you. You know, one of the things to recognize here is that Jesus got up early. Not like, you know, 15 minutes early or a half hour early. He got up before the sunrise. He got up while it was still dark. He treasured that time to make a commitment to actually get up while it was still dark when other people were still sleeping. And he wanted to go and be alone with the Father. And it says that he found a desolate place. And I think it, it's really important because this concept is, is that he's getting to a place where there aren't distractions. And he spent time praying. And if you think about that today, this issue of distractions, more than ever, at least for me and for many others that I know, we have more distractions in our life than ever before. And it's especially with these phones that we have. We get emails through our phones. We get texts through our phones. There's plenty of notifications that pop up. There's news feeds, social media requests, and even phone calls. These things are tethered to us. We don't let them out of our sight. They control us in many cases. They distract us. And that's their job. Their job is to pull us back in. Companies make money off advertisements. They need your eyes. They hire psychologists in order to figure out the best way to get you hooked, to distract you and to draw you in and get you, make it sticky, to get you addicted to the feed. And the Lord is calling us to an opposite place, a place to go get desolate with the Lord, to go get quiet, to go up to a mountain away from everything, to be around, away from civilization, away from the busyness of life. And Jesus set the example. He actually got up before sunrise. He got up while it was still dark outside. And that really presses the question for us. How much do we really want an answer? How much do we really want to hear from God? We have so many people looking for us, trying to contact us throughout the day. And sometimes they're not even human. They call it robocalls now. The spammers, the hackers, the robos, the robots that are calling you on a regular basis. You know, there's something special about silence with God. Psalm 62 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be greatly shaken. I love those words because it's so true that waiting in silence, from him comes that salvation because in silence we're able to hear him. We're able to recognize our king who's sovereign. He is our rock and our salvation, but he's also our fortress where we can hide and be protected and find safety a place where we can't be shaken for the things that were going to come that day and beyond, to be able to hide inside of the Lord. 
Psalms 46.10 says to be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the answer that we need is to know that God is still God even in the midst of our circumstances. Whether it's financial, whether it's marriage, whether it's personal, relationship problems, school problems, whatever is going on. Even when we feel suicidal, depressed, frustrated, not knowing which direction to take, feeling like God has abandoned us. Or even feeling upset about what's going on in the world, feeling like there's, there's no opportunity, that there's no hope. Sometimes the answer that we really need in all of those things is to know that God is still God, even in the midst of our circumstance. And we need to just get still in front of him, get quiet, turn off your phones, turn off all of the distractions, find a way to get up early, to get away from all the things that are going to call on you, that are going to demand your attention. Set your alarm, schedule it. And then remember that God promises to answer you and that his salvation is our ultimate answer. But he makes it clear that we are to never feel scared to ask for an answer. In fact, we should ask often. In James chapter 1, Verse 5, he says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So it's clear here to ask God for wisdom. Ask him for an answer. Ask him for direction, for discretion, for the ability to know which way to go. Ask on a regular basis. Ask whenever you need help. But ask with faith. Don't have doubt. Know that God has made a promise that he will be there with you. He will guide you. He'll give you wisdom. Just ask. Walk by the Spirit, by staying in the Spirit. Talking to God constantly. He's a generous God who's excited to direct you and give you peace. He just wants you to ask. You know, you can't hear God's voice and feel his pain and feel the things that are important to God when you're distracted by the things of this world. I look at my kids when the TV comes on. Man, no matter what you say to them, they don't hear you. They get sucked into a different world. I could tell them, hey, I'm going to take away your favorite toy, and they'd be like, okay, Papa. (laughs) It's real. The distractions are real. And that's how God feels when we get distracted in that same way from him. You know, God will show you your sin. He'll encourage you even. He'll help you. He'll express his love for you and guide you. If you're willing just to sit quietly and talk with him, to listen with him. Daniel made it a habit three times a day 
to get alone to go to the upper room. Habakkuk went on and watched and looked to see what God was going to say to him. And he waited patiently. You must be alone with him. You've got to find a quiet place, whether it's in your car, in your backyard, wherever it is, in a closet. For me, I have to tell everyone in my house just to give me a moment. Sometimes I go out on my porch. Sometimes it's just kneeling beside my bed, shutting the door. But you have to get alone with the Lord. And you have to do it on a regular place. Set a timeline. Schedule it in. Make it the most important thing. Don't get sidetracked. Don't allow the, oh, I've got to work or I've got to do this for my kids or I've got to do that for a friend of mine that I promised to get in the way. Schedule it in. Set your phone, an alarm on your phone multiple times a day to remind you to go back and bring God into whatever it is that you're doing. Because when you dedicate yourself to God, you're going to find the riches of hearing Him and hearing His answers to your questions and your requests on a regular basis. But be, be aware also that when you dedicate yourself in that manner to God, that you may get attacked by the devil. There may be more increases by the enemy to try to sidetrack you through social media, through friends, through your favorite television show, even from work, calls, family members. You might get text messages in the middle of whatever it is that you're doing. But regardless of what's going on, you got to choose the Lord and pray about these distracting things as they come up. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you help to remove those distracting things. Pray for all those negative and distracting thoughts that you might be having during prayer. Ask God to help you to stay focused. And schedule that time because there must be a time daily when you get away from everything and you get silent before God and say, Lord, I need to speak to you, my Father, because I have a question. I need your wisdom and I need an answer. And then be patient and listen. And he surely will answer. If you're looking for a deeper relationship with God and you're not born again, you can't enter into this place of relationship with God spiritually. Jesus says if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again spiritually and resurrected with new life. You have to become a new creation. And what does that mean to be born again? Well, it starts with understanding you need a Savior. As it is written, there is no one that's righteous, not even one. That's in Romans 3. And that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3 as well. We have to admit that we are all sinners and that we're in need of a Savior. All of us. God is calling everyone to repentance. Men, women, everyone. That means to not only ask for forgiveness, but to turn around and go the other way from your sins. The wages of sins is death. That's Romans 6. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 as well. And God demonstrates that he loves us so much that even while we are sinners, Jesus was willing to die for us and be the sacrifice and provide the atonement. That's Romans 5, 8. You know, he wants you just as you are. So if you've never come and forsaken your sin and turned to Jesus to be born again, today's the day. All you have to do is turn on your back and call on Jesus. 
He'll save you and trust him for your salvation. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So just call out to God today in your heart. If you don't know what to pray or what to say, you can follow along with me and say this prayer. God, I know that I am a sinner and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, peace, and gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brothers Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information or to reach us, go to cominghomeministries.net.